Welcome to the Blue Coats Brass Podcast. It's a tough time for the drum corps activity due to the coronavirus. A few days ago, DCI announced that the 2020 summer tour has been canceled. There's a lot of anxiety right now, but we wanted to provide an unscheduled bonus episode to shed some light on our thoughts about the impact of the coronavirus on the activity, as well as the Blue Coats organization specifically. Today, I'm joined by several people within the Blue Coats organization, Mike Scott, the Chief Executive Officer, John Vanderkoff, the Artistic Director and Visual Designer, and Nick Kniper, our current head drum major. And then later in this episode, we'll also be joined by Genevieve Geisler, our CFO and COO at Blue Coats. How are all of y'all doing today? Good. Good. Thanks for having us. Good. Awesome. So... The coronavirus has obviously had a significant impact on the entire world over the last couple of months, and I don't think any of us would have expected how quickly this would have changed the world that we live in, and we definitely don't want to downplay the significant impact it's had on the world outside of Drum Corps and the Blue Coats, but we also just want to help those that are interested in understanding the impact that it has had on our activity, as well as within our own organization. So we're just going to talk a little bit about a lot of the different things that have been going on over the last few days because it's been pretty eventful. So, Mike, as the, the CEO of Blue Coats, can you first tell us what it's been like preparing for this within the Blue Coats organization as well as what your discussions with maybe some of the other organizations have been like? Yeah, sure. To start, I kind of shared in the same awkwardness that I think everyone had, and that is, you know, you, you see more and more headlines popping up, you know, throughout the beginning of March and you're like, well, what is this going to be? I don't know. And of course, you know, you, myself and Genevieve who, who we'll meet later, you know, we kind of immediately turned on our strategy cap and, you know, started to, to think, okay, well, in this scenario, you know, what happens here in this scenario, what happens here? And then of course you start to really kind of snowball and go into the rabbit hole and like, you know, what, what happens in the worst case scenarios? You know, I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but of course, you know, some of our worst case scenario planning ended up becoming kind of the actual scenario, um, right. with, you know, the cancellation of the season. But, you know, we started, uh, fortunately, Genevieve uh, has a master's degree in public health, and she was kind of our canary in the coal mine and said, we really got to talk about some of this stuff. So we sat down at our March camp and wrote about 20 pages of contingency planning. And, you know, what, in, you know, if this happens, we'll do this. If this happens, we'll do this. And around that same time is when conversations started, like you mentioned, with other, you know, other drum corps. I got on the phone with, you know, our colleague directors and executives at the other core organizations and just spent, you know, hours all the way up until the cancellation announcement and since, you know, working with, with our friends in the activity. So it's been, it's certainly been stressful. You know, everyone's trying to juggle a thousand things. You know, you have the safety of your performers and your staff on mind constantly, but then of course you have to think about all the, you know, the impacts this will have on your business and the future of your business. And it's been quite a, it's been quite a load of, of, of work for the last month. So the, the length of your work weeks has been a little more than a 40 hour work week. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure what day it is today. To be honest, it, I mean, I don't think anyone is. Um, so I don't. I don't know what. What I mean, it just. It's felt like this month has felt like a whole year. So who knows? So as you've had some discussions with some of the other organizations, has that been just individual contact with them, or has DCI been setting up pretty regular meetings amongst everyone? You know, it sort of evolved a month and a half ago. It was a couple texts, like, "Hey, you know, what do you what are you thinking about this?" Um, and then that turned into phone calls and that turned into regular phone calls, you know, directly with people and, oh, let me, you know, let me pull in so-and-so we'll do it. You know, we'll do a, a conference call and, you know, uh, DCI 
really successfully uses a committee structure. Um, and over the last couple of years, as more and more, as we've grown up from a governance standpoint within Drunk War International, there have been more and more committees that have become really active. And so, you know, committees started talking and subcommittees started talking and those things all build up to the point where when this really started to reach a critical mass, maybe about three, three and a half weeks before the season cancellation announcement, we started a weekly standing meeting of the whole voting membership, um, which is a, honestly just to operate that was a monumental task. I mean, a voting member meeting has 60 or more people and we're doing them all remotely. You know, so we're talking about formal governance meetings with taking attendance and roll call voting and all sorts of stuff with 60 or plus people on a call, you know, different time zones. But yes, we started a standing meeting just because, you know, our, ourselves operating as a collective is so important in such a, you know, critical time. Can you tell us anything what that meeting was like on the Wednesday night, the day before DCI made the announcement to cancel the summer tour? Uh, tough. It was tough. You know, I'm I'm relatively new to that room, so to speak. Uh, you know, I'm 29 years old, and the Bluecoats organization is also relatively new to the table, right? Um, have we been, you know, a, a member of DCI? But, you know, there were charter members of Drunk Corps International sitting on that call. We've been there since, you know, 1972 when they had their first meeting. So, you know, for all of these drum course to have to cast that vote, we knew that was what was coming, right? Like we had had so many discussions about that, but to be on that call and hear, you know, hear that vote was, it was tough. And, you know, keep in mind that the vast majority of people on that phone call, you know, make a living, you know, right up to the point of having their health care provided by their work. You know, so it was it was a tough call. So speaking of blue coats specifically, what do things look like as far as the survival of blue coats and the activity? Well, the first thing that we did as an executive team was, you know, we wrote four budgets basically. You know, if if we do a shorter season, what does that look like? If we do a long, you know, a full season, but we have you know certain problems, if bingo shuts down. You know, we wrote all those budgets, and of course, we wrote a, a catastrophic budget, which is you know if bingo shuts down and the season is canceled, you know, what does that look like? Well, unfortunately, we're operating under the catastrophic budget because that's what's happened. You know, Bingo, which is a major operation for us, we have an event center called Champion Event Center, and it runs a game called Champion Bingo three nights a week. That's shut down indefinitely, plus the season has been canceled. We're fortunate in that, you know, our chance of survival is is great. It's going to be tough, you know, and depending on how things work um, and how, you know, the chips fall over the course of the next six months, you know, that could range anywhere from taking on a significant amount of debt to, you know, ending the season in a break-even standpoint. You know, those are all options on the table, and we're working really hard. Our alumni are being supportive. Our constituency just at large is being supportive. We're fortunate as an organization to have enough resources, um, you know, whether that be access to credit or things like that, you know, that, that we'll be able to lean on a little bit. I don't think that any organization is going to come out of this scotch-free. In fact, I'm confident that no organization will come out of this scotch-free but we're a resilient bunch. So, John, hey. you know, first with WGI, hey, first with WGI being canceled and now DCI, what type of impact has this had on you as a visual designer? Well, as you can imagine, it's been it's been really tough. Like this, there's so many parts to all of that. One is us as the designers and our staffs. You know, I think about the WGI and DCI, and of course the performers. You know, it's almost like you go into these things as though there's a guaranteed promise of fruition and that's just stripped away. And, uh, you know, it's been 
tough. It's been really tough understanding how to navigate through all of this. I think uh, I, I feel a lot for my peers and <laughs> my friends in the WGI community. You know what I mean? Like that happened so close to the end of their season, right when they were making the final fixes and their their performers were getting to such a high level. You know what I mean? And then that was just ended. So I don't know what you do with that kind of emotion and that kind of energy. And then drum corps, you know, we're all so far along in our uh, design process for the summer and they just have that stripped away you're kind of left just unsure so mostly you just have to have patience <laughs> with all of this and uh you know a lot of it is is it's emotionally tough to handle because you know i don't think there's none of, nothing you can compare this to in our life you know that's happened like this right in typical blue coats fashion we won't be releasing details about our 2020 show but can you tell us about how the design process was going for the 2020 production and when you all started to think that things may be coming to a halt? Um, well, things were going fantastic. You know, uh, we, we came off of last year on, on such a high, you know, it was it was so gratifying and, and just uh, I felt like the energy of our design team and and the organization and actually the activity as a whole was just heading upward, like exponentially for what can happen and what can be. And uh, and I really felt that we have a great product. You know what I mean? Like we were really onto something. We we're all incredibly excited about and interested and curious about where, what we had worked on was going to go to, you know what I mean? We knew it had great bones to it for sure. When did you all start to think that things may be coming to a halt and how are you trying to sort of put a, put the pause button on everything? Yeah. Um, well, I guess some of us knew earlier than others. Uh, you know, I was in communication with Mike and Jen about two or three times a day from starting a month ago, maybe Mike, I'm not really sure. And, uh, but we all, kept her head down and kept proceeding because what else are you going to do? You know what I mean? You, you carry on, you keep working on the arrangements, you keep working on the set pieces, you keep working on just, you know, as though everything's going to happen because what else can you do? And, and that, so we really kept on going, including up to the last call when, when, uh, when Mike and Jen had a, a call with all the design team and told us that we were, um, you know, this, this summer wasn't going to happen five minutes before we got an arrangement from Tom Rarick and Doug Thrower saying, Hey guys, what about this, you know, these, this next minute here. And what about this chunk and stuff like that? That just tells you like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I think right. that answers the question of what, where we were at. So then I guess the, the question happens and I've seen it online and I'm sure it's this way with many drum corps is, are there plans to keep the same show? My initial feeling was absolutely. Um, but, you know, we have to see how the landscape feels. You know, you, you want to make sure you're doing a show that is, for right now, for us, something that is going to get the performers, the staff, and the audience uh, excited and hopefully full of hope, you know, and all those kind of things. To me, I feel like the show that we were working on has all that. But, you know, time will really tell. I imagine it'll take some turns. Um, here and there from what we originally planned because we we know more and we're going to know more in the months, you know, weeks, months to come. And that, you know, just us, we're pretty um, organic <laughs> in how we go about our process that I think that is all going to filter into what next year's show will ultimately be. 
Do you think that you all will continue to have somewhat regular design meetings then amongst one another, or will it just kind of be a little more as ideas sort of pop into your head, you'll kind of reach out to the other people? I think we can't help ourselves. <laughs> we will we will keep going. First of all, they're all my best friends, and it's what we do. You know what I mean? I'm just surrounded by such incredibly creative and wonderful people that we talk daily, weekly, and and part of that is going to be, of course, this is what we do, and this is how we know each other, is by creating things together, and I can't imagine that stopping. I, you know, it's probably what's going to be help pull us all through this thing too. Right. So Nick, this was going to be your fifth year and your age out year with blue coats. What are your thoughts on the situation? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty devastated. Uh, first of all, you know, um, I was really looking forward to this season. This was my first year as drum major. I have been in the horn line for the last the last four years before this. And so it's like a certain kind of grief that I feel for the loss of the season. It's not really in any way, like John said, there's really not even a way to describe it because like, I didn't even really know what I was missing. Like, I don't even know like what, what the summer was going to look like. Uh, I've never done this drum major thing before. And, and so it's, it's almost kind of hard to grieve something that you don't really even know what you lost. And so that's that's a particularly tough thing to kind of grapple with. Um, but, you know, the sort of things that I can picture, like spring training and walking around Indiana Wesleyan and just hanging out with people at the food truck and at the food tent, I can picture those pretty clearly. And, and that's really what kind of hits the most, what I feel like I'm going to miss the most. And, you know, I really think my summer is probably going to look a lot more boring than than I had thought even maybe just a week ago. Yeah. As the drum major, I'm sure you've had a lot of interactions with a lot of the members. What have um, those discussions been like over the last few days? They've been pretty overwhelmingly, in the end, positive. Everybody's devastated. Everybody is really sad and upset that, that the summer came to an end. But I mean, it's it's really just amazing to hear how positive everybody has been and so I had a chance to sit in with the blue mellophones. They did like a Zoom dinner. And so I just, I poked my head in and, and chatted with them for half an hour or so. And uh, I mean, they were, they were all, you know, they all said that they were, they were really sad about, about the news, but just listening to them talk and they were laughing, like just nonstop laughter for the entire time that I was there. And they were just so excited, even for 2021, like it, it was, it was really like uplifting to kind of see how, even though everybody's so upset, they're all just kind of leaning on each other to make the most out of, out of this tough situation. And, you know, since we can't really see anybody in person, it's just, it's so nice that we can all like call in. We have this online social network that that's pretty extensive and we can all reach out to each other. And then there's, there's been some really great participation on our fitness page or fitness Facebook page, blue coat strong. Um, and there's been a number of, of people who, I mean, I look at their, their posts like hours after the phone call where, where our season was canceled and they're, they're already posting and they're, you know, saying, 
I'm not going to let this stop me from my personal fitness goals. And even when I have a hard time doing like working out for myself, I have, you know, I can think about doing it for the blue coats or doing it, you know, for what any other reason. And it's, it's just been really inspiring to, to see how people are staying motivated amidst all of the really upsetting things. What types of things or how have you been going about being a role model for the members of the 2020 Bluecoats? So primarily, I think it just comes from staying engaged and not putting myself into my own little grief bubble. And I'm trying to stay engaged on our Bluecoat Strong as much as I can and going on runs and stuff in my neighborhood. And But then I've also just been calling people just talking to people on the phone, seeing how, how they're doing. And, and I think really the most important thing for me right now is want to know about what my members are doing, how they're feeling. And I think there's just a real importance of that sort of empathic relationship with people right now. But beyond that, in a little bit more of a practical way, uh, I've been talking with the leadership various individuals on our leadership team, just about different ways that we can leverage sort of this social connection, this social network, different sort of, we've been brainstorming ideas like doing online game nights with, you know, we all log in and do like an online in-browser game together, or there are like Google Chrome extensions you can use to have a bunch of people watch a Netflix movie together and so making like a like a blue coats movie night or this one seems a little more up my speed doing a like a blue coats book club where we all you know download a cheap book on on Amazon or something and then you know so just really anything that we can do to keep ourselves occupied but also keep ourselves just engaged with each other because like i said i think just the leaning on e- leaning on each other is something that this we're in a unique position to leverage that with our, our social connection right now. So I'm totally down for that book club, by the way. This past Thursday, we're recording this on Sunday, March 29th. And this past Thursday was the day that DCI made their announcement. And we had a full core virtual circle up meeting during the announcement from DCI. I know for me, obviously I knew what was going to happen, but you know, logging on and, and seeing all of the members on there and just the looks on their faces for me was pretty tough. Can any of you talk about what it was, what your experience uh, was like on that? Or Mike, you know, you had to run the whole thing. So to be honest, we didn't have to spend too much time brainstorming how we were going to roll this out. It just seemed very obvious to us that the one and only way that, that we could do this was, you know, to, to tell the drum corps. And of course, you know, that's, it's impossible to do, you know, you can't actually circle up the core, you know, if something were to go wrong in the summertime, or if there were to be a big moment that we had to grapple with as a group, you know, we would immediately just, you know, hey, bring it in, blue coats, you know, and we would circle up. And so that just felt like the natural language to use, you know, for something like this. It's also the way that you, you know, after the first performance of the season, you know, the first thing that happens is the whole core circles up. And after you perform, you know, at championships, you're circled up in the Lucas Oil parking lot and you, you know, you talk. So some of the most poignant moments of the season are, you know, done in that format. So we tried our best to recreate that, even though it was kind of the beginning and the end of the season. So, you know, the format was pretty, pretty natural, but of course the call was tough. At the same time, you know, the Blue Cuts organization tends to be 
a very optimistic one. You know, we tend to have performers and staff who all tend to be really optimistic. So it was also, it's, it's tough, you know, trying to kind of keep the, the culture that we have as an organization alive, you know, through what is just an impossibly difficult situation. So that was the thing that I spent the most time thinking about was, you know, how, how do we balance that and how do we keep sort of the, the blue code spirit alive throughout all this? And of course, that meant that we were immediately drawn to, you know, well, what, what else can we do? You know, I'm glad Nick brought those things up. And I'm, and of, and of course, our students are thinking about way more things than we are already. You know, of course, that, that's just the most natural. Like, I'm not surprised to hear that at all. Movie nights and book clubs and whatever. You know, so I, we'll talk a little bit more about, I think, sort of the, the things that the Blue Coats organization is going to continue to program officially for our kids. But, you know, as we were approaching this call, that was, you know, okay, what, what, what can we talk about right now? Um, that will keep that hope alive, that will keep the programming that we've promised, you know, our kids, I hate to use that word kids, you know, that we've promised our participants, you know, and, and let's roll as many of those things out on this call as we possibly can and give everyone our opportunity to ask questions. Um, that was, you know, of course, a pivotal part of this too. John, Nick? Well, it was, the idea going in was sad and I kind of really didn't want to. And uh, the best thing was seeing all their faces. It was, it was absolutely beautiful to me. You know, the members that we've had for a few years or even one year, and then those that were just so excited to be a part and made it, you know, into the 2020 Blue Coats and to kind of get to know them, you know, for that brief little moment and just see, you know, this large group of people all coming together for one common thing and everybody was so excited about that thing. Uh, it was beautiful and sad <laughs> all at the same time. So I would just say it was a bit of life right there. Um, you know, so, uh, uh, and, and, you know, as the call went on, you see the reactions because you get to see the faces on these things, you know, and stuff like that. And, and just seeing how positive everybody was, even in that moment, you know, first there was the devastating news and I think most of them probably knew it was coming. I'm not really sure, but how they rallied in such a short time and, joking around and laughing and all, all these kind of things. I was like, oh my gosh, it just, I don't know, talks about the human spirit a little bit right there. So, you know, there definitely were rumors going around uh, amongst members of not only our core, but just, I think, across DCI. Uh, we kind of, John, to your point, we, we kind of all knew what to expect before the call even started. And so for me, like, Looking at looking at everybody in that call, like right away, I would see people's, you know, their cameras would be on and then they would like, as soon as Mike said the news, like they would look crestfallen and then they would have to cut their video. And I like found out later it's because they just like burst into tears, you know? And so like there was, there was like a real heaviness kind of to the, the very start of the phone call um, as I was looking at people, but John, I totally agree. Like as soon as, or as the call went on, it was like, there was so much more life and energy and, and people were already latching on to those silver linings. And yeah, it was, it was a really beautiful moment to watch how, even though the start of the call was so heavy, it ended with such a light, positive and just optimistic outlook kind of across the board. What type of impact are you seeing this have on the members that were contracted for the 2020 season? And, and what does this mean for 2021? Well, one of the toughest things for me was the impact that I was seeing well before the season was canceled. You know, I was heartbroken. You know, we had kids who were 
packing up their dorms and having to leave. And, you know, I was working with several members and a couple of recent alumni who, you know, were like, they didn't know, they didn't have a flight booked. They didn't know where they were going. They had no income source. They got laid off. So, you know, weeks before we canceled the season, you know, we were, we we had sort of set up a little mini like triage operation, just checking in on the people that we knew, you know, were most vulnerable who were, or who had been exposed to the, you know, the most serious hardships throughout all this, you know, as the economy shut down and schools closed and all that. So going into the cancellation announcement, you know, the thing that was on my mind was like, oh, like we're all already going through so much as a, as a drum corps, you know, as a community. And then, you know, to have to add this on, you know, so you had to go home from school. You may, you know, you maybe lost your job. You maybe, you know, didn't exactly know where you were going to go for a minute, you know, and now we're removing this, you know, pillar of your year. I don't know. I would, I would venture to guess that for most people, staff, our members, you know, and our administration, for most people, they think of drum corps as the, the like constant in their life and all the other things are just the things you do when you're not doing drum corps. Um, at least that's how I think about it. So, you know, when drum corps goes away and school goes away and maybe work goes away and, you know, it's like all of a sudden, you know, there's nothing to hold on to. So that, you know, has that, that's just generally the theme I think of the impact that I'm seeing. It's just, you know, people are losing all these things to hold on to. And, you know, the WGI season, and the DCI season are such pillars of everyone's life. So, you know, we, we're working with our performers and our staff, you know, here's the things that we can continue to do, you know, that we can continue to hold on to, you know, Nick mentioned Blue Coat Strong, like that was one of the first things in our mind, like, let's continue to program the Blue Coat Strong, you know, program. And, uh, you know, on its surface, it's just a Facebook group, you know, but, you know, we have Marching Health as a partner and people that, you know, work daily in it and APTs can monitor you know, everyone's treatment and we work on work, you know, and we're adding some mindfulness programming, you know, we're just trying to find things that people can hold on to, you know, that, that will try to inadequately, sure, but replace, you know, those things. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's tough for everybody. So do any of you see any potential positive impacts that you may see coming from this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll go. Yeah, go, John. <laughs> you want to talk <laughs> I actually do. I think for, okay, so in a couple of ways, one is us as designers and staffs, you know, most of us go year round. We go from one big thing to the next big thing, WGI, DCI, BOA, marching band, that kind of thing, you know, and there is something that is a positive in allowing space for reflection and to look out beyond ourselves that I think will help inspire us as we go on into the future of all three of these activities. You know what I mean? Um, I, I, hopefully that makes sense. It's like, we're so driven. You finish one season, you're onto the next, you're onto the next. And it's like, go, go, go. And you try to do your best work all the time. And maybe you're not always getting as much in, you know, inspiration coming in or seeing things. The other thing I think about is, you know, in what appears, feels like a pretty divisive time. It's like this is pulling so many people together for a common thing. And that is a real positive to me. You know, it, 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 it affects probably how I go about doing my business, it definitely affects how I go about doing my life. You know, and, and there's something we all have to come together uh, to, to, to combat or to get back to some sort of normalcy. 
and that's like not only globally or in this country, but I'm just talking even in our activity. You know what I mean? There's a common good. I, I think about this, like I'm, I'm a father, I have two beautiful daughters and all I want is things that are going to enrich their heart and their soul and their mind. And when I look at the kids and we did that Zoom conference the other day, the, this activity does that. It offers so many things for all those, for all those kids, for all those performers. So it's, uh, it kind of feels like doubling down now to make this happen and to make this come back um, stronger than it was before. Yeah, I, you know, I totally agree, um, John. I think the, the silver linings just abound. It's like every every person that I talk to has their own perspective on what little good thing they can get, and uh, but pretty much across the board, everybody that I've talked to, I don't know if I've spoken to a single member who said, "Yeah, you know, this season's canceled, and I just don't think I'm going to come back next year." I think, I think my summer is done or my, my drum corps experience is done. Like every single person is just raring to come back next year. And they're so excited and enthusiastic about making the 2020 season happen, even if it's a year later and very, very different. But, um, but then also I, I was uh, speaking to one of our other conductors recently and and he just said that, you know, at this point in our lives, being young people, but also being people that are involved in drum corps, having some considerable time off is a rarity. We almost never get that. And so he just said, I'm going to take advantage of that the best that I can and, and you know, maybe take trips to go hiking in the in the mountains or something like that, things that are you know, ways you can take advantage of, of having free time while also positively benefiting the public health of our country and all that. And so, yeah, I, I think that, that there are, there are so many, so many silver linings and it's, it's been just really inspiring to hear everybody's personal take on the good things that can come out of a little bit of extra time off. Yeah, Nick, that's a really good point. I, I've already started the list of like places I'm going to go as soon as we're allowed to. (laughs) Yeah. Take advantage of some time. You know, I, I'm assuming that there's people that will listen to this episode that are outside of the Blue Coats fold, you know, that are, that, you know, might not be within the Blue Coats community. So I, I want to point to a silver lining that I've certainly seen with regard to drum corps as a whole. A lot of people don't, you know, a lot of people don't know or maybe don't think about it, but, you know, the, the executives and directors of each drum corps really p- play a pivotal, you know, day to day role within the drum corps community. DCI, you know, is a membership association. So, you know, we all participate in, you know, in the governance of, of DCI and work closely with the office, you know, and what the future of DCI looks like. I see constantly, you know, the positive interactions that, you know, the drum corps have. You know, we, we constantly see, you know, the, the competition, whether it's on the field or, you know, the field of Facebook, like we constantly see, you know, these organizations, you know, competing with each other artistically, competitively, you know. But in the, you know, in the conference room, the, the directors are so collegial. We work with each other. We're constantly sharing best practices. We're constantly, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing about this? What are you doing about that? And over the last three weeks, I have seen more just unabashed collaboration in a really positive way. You know, 
And in a lot of ways, you know, the people that I've been collaborating with and working with so consistently are also going through, you know, some of the toughest periods of their life. I mean, you know, we're managing organizations that, you know, run on million dollar budgets that are providing payroll to real people who are going through a real crisis. And, you know, we're laying, you know, we're having to lay off people and, you know, all of these, all these directors or executives of their, you know, organizations are going through a tough time yet every day for the last three weeks, I've spoken to at least one director on the phone for, I would say never shorter than for 45 minutes. I mean, it's just a constant barrage of phone calls from organization to organization. What are you doing? How are you handling this? Hey, I have this great idea I wanted to share with you. Hey, I'm really struggling getting through this problem. What are you guys doing in the Blue Coats organization? Or, you know, I you know pick up the phone and I've talked with everyone, everyone from, you know, organizations that, you know, we would consider to be, you know, the, the top organizations and organizations that we wouldn't, you know, I mean, but the, all that stuff's out the window because I'm calling the, I'm calling the director that I know is good at X or Y um, or the director that, I remember was having a problem with X or Y and we thought about that solution. And so if there's a silver lining in that regard for, you know, the broader DCI community, I mean, this has really shown the best of us when it comes to how these organizations collaborate to keep the drum corps tradition alive. You know, it was less about what, what is blue coats, how is blue coats going to survive this and more about how are we going to preserve the drum corps tradition, you know, just generally um, it's been in the U S for more than a hundred years, the drum corps tradition in some format. And, you know, this is a hundred year crisis that, you know, if we don't work together, you know, could forever change the drum corps tradition. So that's been such an overwhelming positive for me just to see that and to have that opportunity to collaborate with my peers. And I, you know, I, I hope the, the DPI community hears that and knows that because it's been, it's been really heartwarming. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, that inter, inter drum corps connection and collaboration definitely exists not only on that administrative level, but at the membership level as well. Like I have, I mean, my communication with the leadership and just with other friends from every different drum corps, like has increased pretty massively. And um, I've been talking with other drum majors about kind of the, some of the very same things that Mike, that you're talking about, just like, how are you going to say this to your members and how do you want to talk about this? And, and we've just been bouncing ideas off of each other, but then also, just there's there's a certain kind of comfort that can come from somebody that is in some ways far away from you in that they're from another drum corps but at the same time they know exactly what you're going through and so it's been a real comfort to be able to talk to people even outside the blue coats that that are going through literally the same things that we are the activity in general for me for nearly 25 years now has been extremely important in just the development of myself and all the life lessons that I've learned along the way and and creating opportunities for me as a music educator and the lessons that I learned from drum corps, taking those to my students. But can any of you talk about the impact that the activity has had on you and what this cancellation means to you? Who's going to bite? <laughs> John got a Tony. <laughs> what it's meant to me? Is that the question, Bob? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been involved in the activity since I was three years old, thanks to my father and my family. So all I've known is this, you know, it, it was um, just the amount of people that you meet and the kind of experiences you get to learn from being with such a large group, all committed to one thing. has certainly helped me in the rest of my life. You know, I, I 
I certainly never planned on drum corps being a big part of my career <laughs> necessarily. Um, that wasn't what I imagined. And I'm incredibly thankful because it's so rewarding, you know, it's so rewarding the amount of people I get to know, the amount of performers, the amount of youth, <laughs> you know, that I, that, that I get to, uh, to teach and to work with, you know, every single day is, is huge. And what will this mean uh, to take this year off? I think it's a pause. I'm going to stay half full in all this. I think it's a pause. I think it's a time to reflect. I think it's a time to recalibrate where we are. And I think it's the time to, uh, to figure out how to go forward and how to be even better at what we do. Not just each member, not just the Blue Coats organization, just drum corps in, in, you know, overall, in fact, all the, all the pageantry activities. I think, I think for me, you know, the last two years really have been a particularly concentrated experience for me and, you know, the impacts that this, let's say industry have had, you know, I, when I was, you know, getting out of college, I, I like thousands of, you know, college graduates that have been within the drum corps community, you know, said, okay, how can I make drum corps kind of a continuing part of my, you know, of my life? And at first that was, okay, well, I'll, you know, I, I just finished a degree in music education. So it was, okay, well, I'll just teach, you know, I'll, I'll work at drum corps in the summertime. And I was, you know, particularly interested in the administrative side, you know, the operational side. So I worked for the cadets for a year and then, you know, came back to Blue Coats where I had marched and, but it, it kind of felt like a casual thing, right? Like it was, you know, like so many, like so many staff, you know, it was the thing I did in the summertime, but that, I don't know, I, I just kind of kept scratching that itch and it became a career kind of accidentally, but it still kind of all felt like a game for a while. Um, but then within the last two years, you know, I, 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 it really became serious. You know, I started working really full time at Blue Coats and then I, um, you know, then I became the CEO of the organization. So it's felt, it, it's a really weird juxtaposition to have that like really concentrated experience over the last two years and then all of a sudden like major crisis. Um, you know, like global pandemic crisis, not like, you know, there's a tough thing going on at the organization. So that's been weird. And I think it's going to take me a year or two to kind of assess all that and figure out what all that means and what I actually feel about all that. But I will say this, being somewhat new to my role, there's just been so many eye-opening experiences. And I think John's, you know, that that have come from the the wisdom of people that have been around here so much longer. And I think, you know, I love hearing John's perspective on this. And John has called me you know, constantly, at least every other day for the last couple of weeks. And that's just been so great because there are people like John, you know, people within the Blue Coats community and broader that have, you know, brought so much wisdom and helped so many people through this. And I think, you know, maybe that speaks to a bigger impact that all of us get from the drum corps experience. And that's just the community, you know, that, that there is. I think an opportunity for us to pause, like John said, is great. And what's cool is that we're going to take a pause, but we're still going to have that community. You know, we're still going to have that connection between people, even though, you know, we won't be meeting in a stadium somewhere, you know, in the country. Yeah. So I, as a music performance major, I'm definitely kind of in the minority of drum corps participants. Lots of music ed is, I think, a lot more common. And, and so, you know, just for my first couple of years of, of being with the blue coats, I just got kind of a, a different sense, a different perspective on performance. And, and I would almost describe it as kind of like a military like thing where 
It's like, doesn't matter how you're feeling, doesn't matter how your face is, doesn't matter how anything is, but you've just got to do your job. And, and that's really helped me as a, as a performer in my, in my own life. But more recently, uh, as I've stepped into leadership roles in the last couple of years, um, <laughs> literally everything that Mike just said echoed so true for me, where being on leadership last year and then also on this year, um, I've had to learn really fast how to be a leader and how to not just be on top of the group, but be a part of a part of the group as we're all moving in, in the same direction. And so to have that be followed up so quickly with global pandemic, that's <laughs> that was no easy, um, you know, just being dropped right in the deep end. But yeah, I, I would say that I've I've just I've learned a lot about how to be a leader and and what it means to be a part of a team as we're going through things that are incredibly difficult. And I really don't think many other people my age are able to have an experience and a perspective like that. And so I'm I'm just incredibly incredibly grateful for just this whole experience. So have any of you thought about what you may actually do this summer if we're able to get out or where you would want to first go? I have two competing, two competing visions. One, I keep having this imaginary scenario where I'm in this like creaky log cabin in the foot of some mountain out West with like a really strong cup of coffee and a good book. So I might try to make that happen. You know, I want to like watch the sunrise and make wood fires and that feels refreshing uh, compared to, you know, my current, my current surroundings, but it also, you know, my, my job as the, you know, CEO over this organization is, you know, figuring out, I'm constantly asking my, myself the question, like, what is the Blue Coats organization without its primary program, without the drum corps? Uh, you know, what are we as an educational institution? What are we as a artistic um, institution? What do we owe the performers that, you know, have lost a season? You know, I'm asking myself all those questions. So, those are all things, you know, that that we're going to work on as an organization. So I would imagine I'll be trying to spend my summer working as hard as I can to to make that pivot for the organization and trying to book a flight to Montana. Anyone else? I I uh, yeah yeah it. <laughs> I mean, I'm probably just gonna I don't know try to find a job to pay for next year's tour fees or something. Um, <laughs> um no, but I mean, really, it's it's a little bit of a dose of reality, not, ha not being in drum corps. And, uh, I think that kind of has to be met a little bit with, okay, well, yeah, I should, I should use the summer wisely as I can and, and get some money while I can. And, but I mean, yeah, I, I Mike, I totally, I totally agree. I, you know, a, a log cabin in the foothills of Montana, that sounds pretty, pretty incredible. Um, so I'm definitely going to be trying to, I'll be trying to, plan trips out into just spend some time outdoors because uh, I will definitely need a good dose of that since I'm not doing drum corps. And so I think just splitting my time between working and, and taking trips out hiking and camping and stuff. Nick, you're more than welcome to come, but I'm going to have a rule. Anyone that comes has to be like the cabins can be no closer than like a half mile from each other. Right. Like, <laughs> I, want, I want to go with friends, but I also want to be really alone. <laughs> it's like it's like a commitment in order to see each other <laughs> right yeah everyone has to walk we'll all walk three miles to meet each other and then we'll all go yeah to peaceful solitude and so i guess it's ironic that i'm 
desiring solitude. I've been alone in this apartment for a month, but I don't know. Yeah. There's something like forced solitude versus voluntary solitude feel very different to me, I guess. I think for me, um, I, uh, I don't know. I feel like I have a lot of things I want to do that I haven't had a chance to do. One of them, and I've started like as of four weeks ago, just actively writing music again, which has been cathartic and awesome. You know what I mean? And not even for a specific thing or for a commission or anything like that, but just to actually write and go back to my college days when that's what I did it for was the curiosity and the awesomeness of that. You know, I'm also spending time thinking about what Mike was talking about, the blue coats beyond the drum corps. You know, I think there is all kinds of other possibilities of what, <laughs> what we can do, you know, uh, yeah, in so many different ways. The kind of talent that we get here, the kind of organization we are, I think I think we have a chance to really expand, you know, things that we can do. And, yeah, I love to travel, take time, take some time to really, you know, let a lot of culture come in and then ultimately do what I can to help. Um, I think there's going to be a huge need for help over this summer, for sure. Not only <laughs> all the awesome, awful things that are going on, you know, people really hurting, but also for the activity, you know what I mean? Whatever I can do to help this thing come out of this, you know, in a better way. I want to be a part of that. Well, John and Nick, is there anything else that either of you would like to add but as we wrap up this first half of this episode? Yeah. So right after the Zoom call that we had where Mike broke the news to all of us about the summer, I sent a message like right afterwards, I sent a message to the Bluecoats. And as I was just thinking about what to write and what I wanted to say to the members, <laughs> kind of a a silly cliche popped into my mind, but I still think it really rings true that, you know, this this pandemic may have taken the members out of the Bluecoats, but um, <laughs> there's no way it can it could take the Bluecoats out of the members. And and so for the blue cuts that are listening and for the the fans that are listening as well just know that we're excited we're going to hit the ground running and i'm just so excited for what 2021 is going to look like one of the things that i've been thinking about over the last week or so we've been going along in this activity some of us for a long time and uh most of our jobs like my job is to help come up with the next show for the next season and you know, you do your best to chip away with Mike Scar, with your organization to help it get even better and better and things like that. And I think things have changed. I think what happens now, so it's almost like I'm a not, I'm not steering the train. I'm more of a passenger in this awesome thing that we call drum corps, you know, um, and I do my little bits to help out. Uh, but mostly it just runs along. And I think what's going to happen here, and I think this is a good thing, <laughs> is we all are going to have to become leaders. And not just us staff, I'm talking the kids and everything to make this thing come out the other side. You know what I mean? So we can all get back to it. I think it's going to take a lot of effort. And I'm not, I don't just mean financially, and I don't even know all the ways, but I know it's going to start becoming apparent over the course of the next few months, little things that we can all do to help sustain and bring back, you know, this activity in the future. So it's different. It's a different dynamics for people like Nick now, I think. I think their responsibilities, <laughs> you know, they just come along because they grew up going, oh my gosh, I want to do that. I want to do that. Well, now you want to do that. You're going to have to work a little extra harder <laughs> to make that sure that thing is still there. 
So I think the sense of ownership that's going to come from that, if we can all pull this off, is going to be huge. I really do. So I'm excited about that. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Well, before we continue our discussion, let's take a quick break to hear from a couple of our sponsors for this episode. Hammond Design is the exclusive mouthpiece manufacturer for the Bluecoats. Carl Hammond is recognized by players all over the world for his commitment to excellence through superior craftsmanship and professionalism. That's why Bluecoats trust Hammond and why we feel you should get the experience of sound in HD. Visit carlhammonddesign.com to get started. That's Carl with a K, hammonddesign.com. This podcast is funded in part by the sustaining members of The Shield. The Shield is a monthly giving society dedicated to protecting the future of Bluecoats. Donors give monthly and support Bluecoats programs, and as a thank you, they receive insider access to content and special events. To become a sustaining member, visit bluecoats.com slash the shield. We're now also joined by Genevieve Geisler, the CFO and COO at Bluecoats. Welcome, Jen. Hi, how are you? Doing well. So now we want to talk a little bit about the future of the activity and Bluecoats and how to help ensure that we can keep everything alive. So Mike, can you tell us about what types of questions have you been receiving from members or parents or supporters or sponsors? Yeah, questions have been an important medium, you know, through all this. It's such a complex situation. There's so much nuance. There's so many different types of constituents and different ways people are impacted by this. So um, Jen and myself and the whole Blue Coats organization have, you know, made a concerted effort to make sure that we're available for those questions. So, of course, you know, people started reaching out and asking questions as this kind of started to all trickle together. And um, we've had a series of webinars with different, you know, audiences. Of course, we had the circle up that we mentioned earlier on the podcast about, um, you know, with all of the the participants and their parents and the staff. Um, you know, we also had a full all hands meeting with every staff member of the organization. You know, we had about 150 people on the call. And then last night, we had a really amazing webinar with all of the alumni. And throughout all of those, we made, you know, we, we created an email address that we could like, put up on screen so that people could be asking questions, you know, in real time, because, you know, as you talk about this stuff, naturally questions arise. Uh, what kind of questions? I mean, it's been everything from, you know, how is my refund going to work for my program fees to, you know, is the Blue Coats organization going to survive? Is DCI going to survive? I bought a ticket. Can I donate it back? You know, all sorts of questions. And it's just been, you know, it's been... I don't know, to be honest, the questions coming in have been a little bit of a tool to kind of gauge, you know, what people need or want to know, you know, if the first time a question comes in, it's an opportunity for Genevieve and myself to say, okay, what's our answer? What are we going to do? So that's been nice. Um, But at the same time, you know, it's also been, we're all kind of lonely in our apartments and houses. It's been nice to, okay, get a question and get to connect with that person a little bit. So. So for those that are interested in auditioning for Bluecoats next year, what type of impact will the cancellation of 2020 have on them? Yeah, that's a really great question. And it's probably the most common one now, you know, that this is not has been made public, you know, a lot of people are, you know, immediately shift to 2021. We, uh, 
you know, we thought a lot about this, you know, how do we best fulfill the promises we've made to, you know, the, the members that would have marched in 2020? How do we continue to offer the educational experiences that, you know, thousands of kids, you know, flock to at all the drum corps across the country, you know, in November and December? Um, and balancing those two things, you know, there's financial considerations to be made. For those that are interested in auditioning, you know, we do fully intend on having an open audition process. Um, you know, we fully intend on allowing people to, you know, come and, and, you know, whether it's trying to be a part of the core or whether it's coming, you know, for what so many people come for anyway, and that's to get to experience, you know, Biblicots for a weekend, get to learn from our staff, get to participate in that process. You know, both of those things will still be active. Is it going to look a little different next year? Yeah, probably. You know, I, I can imagine that most of the 2020 drum corps, you know, is going to want to come back. I think that some people, you know, life might get in the way and unfortunately they won't be able to return. I, you know, we also don't know what drum corps is going to look like, but I think it's going to look different, but we intend on figuring out the best way to navigate that and to balance, you know, those two things. Jen, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Mike. I think, you know, while we don't know exactly what this is going to look like yet, because I think it's premature to for any of us to, um, you know, think we have all the answers to exactly what anything in the world is going to look like in the fall. You know, I I know we'll be able to find a way to incorporate both the fact that everyone's eligible to return next year, you know, and still being able to include and incorporate as many people as possible in you know, either the audition process or the blue coats experience camps or both. Can you talk about the discussions to have an exemption for 2020 age outs? Yeah. Um, Genevieve and I both sit on the competition and performance affairs committee, the competition committee within the voting membership. And that was one of the first things, um, you know, and, and I wish, I, I hope people hear that, you know, it was literally the, one of the first things we talked about, that we wanted to make very clear in the same breadth um, as the season cancellation announcement that age outs, you know, would get a bonus year. So I was, you know, it was very reassuring to me. I sent an email to the committee saying, what do you guys think about this? You know, and it was the, it was the, the most, you know, basic version of the exemption, you know, anyone who aged out in 2020 will be eligible to compete in 2021 adding that exemption to rule 1.1. It's an easy one to remember. Um, and within an hour, which is very unusual, you know, when you email 12 different, very busy people, um, you know, within an hour, every single person on the committee replied, yep, let's do it. Of course, at that point, you know, a lot of discussion started about the nuance of this, you know, what are the other options and resources that we should consider with regard to the age outs? And of course that happened in the broader community as well. Uh, you know, after the season announcement was made, Immediately, you know, people started talking about, you know, what other things are on the table as far as, you know, as far as eligibility. As a, a group of directors, as the voting membership, you know, we felt very strongly, let's solve the most immediate problem with regard to the season cancellation and eligibility. And that is the, the kids who are going to lose a season right away. You know, let's make sure that we solve that problem for them. Then we have time to figure out, you know, the more complex issues because there are thousands of kids who participate in drum corps each summer, and there are dozens of different business models and dozens of different realities and dozens of different age groups amongst the course. It's a very diverse community. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of discussion to be had about all of those other options we have to ensure that we're providing as much, as many resources and as little impact on the broadest swath of the participation, you know, in drum corps. 
but I've, I'm really proud of my colleagues in that, you know, the most urgent problem, the, the 2020 Ajax, we were able to solve almost instantly and unanimously, which is, you know, unusual for a group of so many different ideas. So that, that was heartwarming to me, really. And I'm glad that we were able to solve that issue right away. Jen, you have a background in public health. How are you preparing the organization for the possible cancellation prior to Thursday's announcement? Before my long career in drum corps started, I actually got a master's degree in public health from the University of Michigan, go blue. And uh, unfortunately or unfortunately, this situation has been terrifying me for at least a couple of months. And uh, several weeks ago, I said to Mike, I think we really need to start making some disaster contingency plans, particularly in regard to the budget. So, you know, he uh, said, okay, <laughs> with a terrified expression, I'm sure. <laughs> and uh, we did that. So we started working on some of this stuff. Like what, happens to, what happens if the season is shortened? What happens if the season is very shortened? What happens if there is no season? What happens if it's canceled partway through? What happens if it never starts? We started running through all of those scenarios and what it would mean both logistically for all of the things that we have to put in motion or stop motion on. And um, of course, you know, my main focus is on money and budgetary things as the CFO. And so what would its effect be on our bottom line, basically, and how, what ideas could we come up with to uh, mitigate the negative impact of those type of situations? So, you know, long before this was a reality. We started thinking about that stuff and even talking to um, some of our design team and top level staff about ideas for, you know, what to do in some of these scenarios and just to kind of prepare them for the fact that these type of things could be a reality. I mean, of course we didn't, you never think, and I think it's human nature, you never think this is really going to come to pass or you never maybe have a good uh, handle on how likely it might be. But even several weeks ago, we started to feel like, you know, maybe this isn't going to happen, or at least in the form that we uh, had planned. So we did start working on that stuff and um, start trying to talk to some of our colleagues about it, just because, you know, of course, and on, on anything like this, the longer time you have to plan um, and the more ideas you can come up with and the more scenarios you can run, the better off you'll be. Yeah. So with your role as CFO of Blue Coats, can you talk a little bit about just the real impact of the cancellation of the 2020 season uh, that it has on the organization? Yeah. So, well, it's not good. <laughs> I mean, as you can imagine, you know, uh, like Mike said, when it comes to auditions um, and membership, you know, every core has a different business model. You know, people have different types of fundraisers. People have different ways of, you know, making up the money that it comes that comes to, uh, you know, make their budget that they need to go on tour and to exist as an organization outside the touring months. Um, but the Blue Coats rely on two main sources of revenue one of which is the money that we can make um, from the success of our competitive season through selling merchandise, through building our brand, through having big shows um, such as the Akron show that we have in August every year that you know, has thousands and thousands of people at it. You know, those are some of our main sources of revenue throughout the summer. And of course, those are all gone now as well. But another way in which the Blue Coats in particular and just a few other groups uh, are affected as well is that we rely on champion Blue Coats Bingo for a large source of our revenues as well. And of course, with the uh, shelter in place order here in Ohio, which started, I think, almost sooner than any other state, we've already had bingo shut down uh, for a couple of weeks with no indication as to when it will be uh, safe to open that again. So as you can imagine, you know, 
having 100 to 150 uh, elderly skewing individuals in a room at bingo right now isn't exactly recommended by the health department. So of course that's a good decision on the part of the government, but a, a very negative impact on us and it leaves a lot of uncertainty. Um, you know, we know the tour is canceled. We don't have a good grasp on when something like bingo would be able to open again. So the reality is it leaves us um, owing a lot of people refunds while having basically no revenue coming in. We know that, you know, to the, the common fan of drum corps, we just understand it's like, Oh, well, you know, I got to get my tickets back or, you know, if I had a hotel reservation somewhere um, I've got to get that canceled or, or, you know, refunds for things like that. But can you talk about, what things have been like when you're really trying to put a stop on all of the different things that occur within an organization like this? Yeah. So um, when Mike and I were doing those initial disaster plans, we realized, you know, even in our initial like five or six hour session, we came up with like, I think 23 pages of notes or something like that. And a lot of it had to do with things like this, you know, it's like, how do you even stop some of this stuff? You know, what are the steps needed to cancel that? And, you know, every one event has all, every event has those components with, you know, transportation and flights and buses and hotels and stadiums and all those kind of things, you know, times all the days on tour. So there's all of that stuff. Um, and then there's also just the process of notifying everyone in a way that we feel comfortable with as part of like the values of our organization. So, you know, of course we didn't want to just send out a, a mass email. So just planning how to let everyone know what was happening was uh, something that took a while and has basically taken a whole week to execute. What are some things you think like a common fan wouldn't even think of that you've had to deal with? Well, I think, I think something that a fan wouldn't think of is a lot of the things that have to do with the organization itself that don't, you know, people, fans think about tour, they think about the buses and the kids and maybe even the flights and the stadiums, but there's a ton of stuff here in Canton uh, associated with our building. Um, so we have a building that we own that we use to run bingo, but we also run catering events out of it. You know, we have a catering manager and she runs it out for events and that kind of thing. So everything from the lady who rents it out for Zumba to a wedding in June, all of those things are impacted by this. The maintenance person there, the dumpster, every single utility, you know, has to be either adjusted or turned off to try to save money. And, uh, you know, the cascading effect on all the vendors, the people that sell tickets to the bingo hall, the people that clean up after bingo, the people that sell the food to the bingo hall, all of those things have to sadly, you know, be turned off one by one as we wait out this period. So to me, it's a lot of that stuff. You know, people don't think about what's going on behind the scenes. But, you know, as you try to get down to as honestly as low of expenditures as possible, you have to get all that turned off and then still figure out who's going to go check the basement at the building for water and ship out the T-shirts people are ordering. You know, so that's that's been a lot of our focus. I think people wouldn't really think about, but it's taken a lot of time and thought. Yeah, I think the nature of the organizations that operate drum corps, I think that's something that, you know, Genevieve and I certainly live in that, you know, that's like our, our job is to run the, the company that runs the drum corps, right. To run the nonprofit. Um, so of course that's been, you know, our, our primary focus um, as all this happening, you know, if the organization doesn't live to 2021, well then the, the drum corps certainly won't. Um, so Jen mentioned, you know, all those things, you know, like calling the dumpster company and saying, you know, please stop picking up the dumpster. We we don't want to pay for that right now. But, you know, also, you know, this nonprofit organization, you know, we have full-time employees. We have part-time employees. There are contractors who work for us year round. You know, there is a lot of people. And I think the people part of this 
has perhaps been the thing that's weighed most heavily on Genevieve and I is, you know, we're handling people's actual livelihood. There are seven people at the organization who rely on it for healthcare, healthcare coverage, you know, including Genevieve's kids. So when you, you know, rapidly eliminate 90% of revenue for the organization, you know, try to try to hit the brakes on a very expensive project like a drum course or, you know, those are big things, but then you also got to stop and make sure like, am I going to make sure, like, am I going to accidentally eliminate someone's healthcare coverage during a global pandemic? You know, those are, those are big, heavy problems to solve. Um, Genevieve and I, you know, established sort of what our principles were um, as we operated this, you know, like what, in what order will we preserve what, what, what are the most important things for us to protect? You know, one of those principles was preserving the healthcare coverage of those that rely on it from the Blue Coats organization. Of course, one of those principles was, you know, preserving the institution of the Blue Coats, you know, make sure that both the organization and like Genevieve mentioned, its values survive, you know, a priority of us always is to protect the health, wellness and safety of, you know, everyone in the community, particularly, you know, performers and our staff. And of course that's a poignant point right now, you know, the ultimately the reason this has all happened is because, you know, we're in a, a global health crisis and so therefore people's wellness and you know is vital anyway yeah i mean maybe it's hard for Genevieve and i to answer this question because you know we live we live and breathe and work at you know the this organization year round but yeah it's really it's that that big picture you know that what really goes into keeping a drum corps on the field is a well-run organization and hitting the brakes on that is uh, you know causes some raises some difficult questions i think too you know it's it's inter- it's a little bit I was thinking about what Mike was talking, you know, so the summer tour part is like totally turned off, but the in Canton part with the bingo hall and the building is indefinitely turned off. So that's another nuance to it. You know, it has to turn all that off, but you have to be able to turn it back on any time. <laughs> we don't know when. So. so how do we move forward to help ensure that both the activity as well as the Blue Coats organization stays alive? Yeah, that's, of course, the first question. You know, we are all in this because we love drum corps. And so, you know, every single person's first thought is how do I preserve my drum corps and how do I preserve drum corps in general? I mentioned earlier on the call, you know, there's been a a really heartwarming amount of collaboration between the organizations. Um, You know, Genevieve and I have spent every day on the phone with somebody else, you know, whether that's at DCI or or at a, a colleague organization. So, you know, that that mutual collaboration is helping to preserve the drum corps tradition more broadly. And of course, at at, at the Blue Coats organization, you know, we're working on preserving the institution. At first, you know, when we're writing catastrophic budgets and imagining, you know, what does the Blue Coats organization forecast for the worst case scenario, your immediate job is triage. You know, it's putting on as many band-aids as you can, trying not to bleed cash, trying to, you know, turn the organization off in the correct order. So that you're not, you know, causing a problem that you're, you know, not foreseeing. It's a little bit like, you know, when you watch like a space movie and they, you know, like don't, don't, switch, don't flip that switch yet because, you know, then we'll run out of oxygen tuner or something, you know, like a lot of those order of operations things. Once we got past that, that immediate triage, you know, then um, it's kind of like John Vanderkoff and I were discussing, you know, it's about imagining what the Blue Coats organization is at its core, um, even when there's no drum corps, you know, how do we preserve our educational ideals um, and our leadership as an educational institution? How do we preserve what we are artistically? How do we continue to provide our students 
with the programming that we've promised, even though it's not going to involve being on tour. You know, what is the Blue Coats experience without a touring drum corps? Asking all of those questions, they're a little bit softer, right? They're less, they're less, you know, putting on a Band-Aid. They're less business-oriented, um, but they're really important and vital questions, at least in our view, to ask right away um, and to try to begin to tackle those, you know, softer questions, squishier questions um, sooner versus later. So, yeah, I think answering those questions now is going to help us to kind of chart a path, at least, you know, for between now and November. And then, of course, in November, you know, we don't know. We don't know what the future is going to look like. We don't know if Drum Corps is going to start in November like it usually does. We don't know any of those questions right now. Um, but I think we can maybe live in that dream for a little while and know that, you know, let's get let's, you know, let's build a bridge between now and when Drum Corps starts again in 2021. And if we do it right, you know, then in 2021, the Blue Guts organization will be stronger and better than it ever has been because we'll have grown between now and then. And I mean, grown from like an ideal standpoint or grown from a programming standpoint, you know, we'll have learned a little bit about what we are because this will have tested us. And hopefully that means that, you know, we're, we'll be a better organization for it. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we kind of have moved from we're, we're in the process of moving from the immediate what can't we do stage to what can we do? What can we do for our students? What can we do for our staff? You know, what can we do to keep some of this stuff alive over the summer and build a bridge to next year um, now that we know what we can't do? both as a physically because of the inability, you know, not having a tour and financially, you know, how, what can we do and how can we leverage our financial, but also, you know, intellectual resources to, you know, still be something. So can you help reiterate the importance of the fans support for the activity, you know, for members, for staff, for volunteers, for sponsors, and, and just how important it is for, you know, just the, the common fan to do their part to help keep the activity in our organization alive? Yeah, it's when it comes to, you know, you mentioned you said do their part. That's tough. It, it, it's a little tough for me just personally, because I, you know, I see the challenges that we all face, you know, sort of more broadly as human beings, you know, that with a public health crisis and with, you know, uh, the economic challenges that, that the country and the world are facing, you know, there's a lot that we're trying to do right now. You know, every individual human is trying to do their part, you know, just to kind of keep the, keep just the general life moving. But at the same time, you know, um, Genevieve and I and the whole Blue Coats organization are, you know, thinking about, you know, what can we do um, within our organization and, you know, what can our, you know, what can the broader Blue Coats constituency, you know, do as a community, whether that's just rallying together in, support, you know, and having a common goal of preserving the institution or, you know, for those that are able to, you know, what, what are, you know, what are the things that we, you know, that we need to survive? Um, a canceling a season is a massive, unprecedented crisis for every organization. Um, and for some organizations that have a business model like ours, it's particularly catastrophic because like Genevieve mentioned, you know, we leverage what we put on the field. Um, our artistic production, you know, and the existence of the touring production, you know, we use that as a fundraiser. Uh, people, you know, people primarily contribute to the organization in the summertime. For instance, we sell most t-shirts um, in the summertime. If you've ever been stuck in a line at the Blue Coats Marketplace, um, you know that, you know, of course, every drum corps, you know, raises or, or earns money by going on the road. Um, of course, that money pales in comparison to the money that is spent. But, you know, most of our revenue comes from 
you know, comes from within the scope of the summertime. We did a webinar two nights ago with our alumni. Anyone in the alumni community was was welcome to join. And, you know, we kind of, we did a financial projection modeling where we, you know, we showed sort of the pie chart um, of all the fundraising dollars that we raise in the summertime and, you know, what their, what the breakdown is by percentage. And then we sort of deleted each piece of the pie um, that goes away when you're not operating. And it leaves just like these two tiny little wedges that are, you know, the direct contributions we get, which is about nine, nine and a half percent of our fundraising dollars every summer. And, you know, there was like the miscellaneous pie, you know, like the little one and a half percent of stuff that, you know, just kind of comes in. We don't really know what it is. And there was one other, one other piece of the pie. And, you know, it's really stark when you look at it that way, because like Genevieve and I both mentioned, these organizations, while they operate the drunk war and while that's our primary program, you know, there's a whole nonprofit organization that has to run with employees and with healthcare coverage and with operating a building and paying a mortgage and paying the loan on the bus and, you know, covering, you know, benefits and unemployment insurance and, you know, all of these expenses. And those expenses are vital because if the organization doesn't exist, then the drunk war doesn't exist. So when we talk with people, you know, when people ask us, you know, what, what do you, what is it that you need? Uh, you know, well, for those that are able, you know, we hope that people um, to the best of their ability invest the same dollars that they would have invested in the drum corps activity into the drum corps activity this summer, even though there won't be a drum corps. So at its most basic, you know, that means donating your ticket. You know, if you purchase the ticket, you know, considering, please, you know, to please consider leaving that ticket with the organization that you bought it from. You know, let that let that money be, uh, you know, an everlasting investment um, to keep it alive. You know, um, if there was, you know, if there's money that you would typically donate to the organization, you know, people donate and people are so extraordinarily generous in the summertime donating meals, for instance. You know, we'll have people give us $300 here. This could cover dinner. You know, some people will say, you know, what does it cost to sponsor every meal that day? And they'll hand us a check for a thousand dollars or more. We call it our feed blue campaign. You know, those, those monies, you know, typically people really enjoy making those sponsorships because, you know, it feels very tangible. They donated a meal and they feel, you know, really great about that. You know, there's something about nourishment that is rewarding for people, you know, those tangible things go away, you know, really clearly like the drum corps itself is a tangible entity that just won't exist this summertime. So to the best of people's ability, continuing to invest those dollars, not only at Blue Coats, but, you know, what, what you would normally invest at the drum corps that you normally invest in, you know, retaining that investment is going to be vital, especially because some people won't be able to. And, you know, the organizations know that. The organizations know that people are losing jobs, that there are, you know, far more, let's say, noble philanthropic uh, opportunities, you know, as the world faces a health crisis. So uh, to the best of people's ability, you know, every dollar that is reinvested or a new or new donation dollars are going to help keep these organizations afloat. You know, the Blue Coats organization owes more than $450,000 in refunds back to its constituency. You know, we owe people that purchased DCI premier event tickets. We owe the people that purchased tickets to our three Blue Coats operated shows. Um, we owe our performers, you know, uh, their, their funds back. So every organization has a debt that size or greater plus keeping their organization, you know, running and operating so that we can all live to see another day. So in what is what I'm saying dire? Yeah, a little bit, but we know that, you know, the whole world is facing dire circumstances. And and like I mentioned in the first half of the call, and like Genevieve has echoed, we're optimistic. The organ, you know, the Blue Coats organization will survive. Uh, we'll, we'll get through this and we have the tools that are resources 
resources at our disposal that, you know, will help us see this through. But we've already seen, if I can be optimistic for a second, you know, we've already seen an immense amount of support. It's heartwarming and really, really um, amazing. You know, even without asking people getting on the phone or shooting us a note and, you know, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but that support has been, has been monumental so far and really heartwarming. Yeah. I mean, that's been totally amazing. You know, I think the, to be perfectly honest, I think the trick or the key will be to keep that going. You know, it's a long summer and there's a mortgage payment and all, you know, and for instance, due every month. And, you know, we've done everything we can to cut as many expenses as we possibly can and make really tough decisions about people and that kind of thing. But in the end, you know, if we're going to have an organization left, you know, we have to keep paying a mortgage. We have to pay a couple of people some type of salary in order to process all of the refunds and keep the organization moving. We have to be ready to reopen bingo when it's able to open. So I think the next trick will be to, you know, try to encourage people to keep supporting us all summer so that we can keep that, you know, even, you know, when this isn't the latest news anymore, you know, I think, you know, we really need to count on people to, if they, if they can, you know, help us throughout the, throughout this, you know, downtime, you know, throughout the season that would have been DCI 2020 so that we can, you know, bridge the gap all the way to 2021. So if people want to help the Bluecoats right now, what can they do and where can they go? Well, if people are willing to make a financial contribution right now, they can go to bluecoats.com um, or bluecoats.com slash give. You know, we're already seeing an immense amount of support, which is fantastic. But, you know, our, our goals are lofty. We need to raise a lot of money um, to help offset, you know, these challenges. There has been an enormous amount of support uh, of people joining our monthly giving society, uh, The Shield. So you can become a sustaining member and your, you know, your gift sustains um, and happens each month. It's just like joining your local NPR or PBS station, that same model. And, you know, we, we work hard to make the experience for um, the sustaining members of the Shield, you know, something special. Uh, everyone joins kind of a, a community. There's a forum. People can, you know, talk with each other. Um, it's our most ardent supporters. So people tend to be really, um, you know, active and involved and, you know, have great questions. We, you know, we try to provide some members only content as a thank you, um, you know, something that our, our, the broader Blue Coast community might not normally see or hear about. Um, or you can just make a direct contribution. Like I mentioned, you know, if you normally would give money, for instance, to, you know, support the Feed Blue campaign, you know, you could still make that contribution or any contribution to support the organization. Yeah, I mean, that's the most active thing. Now, there's And not asking for refunds on things that you've already purchased. I mean, that I mean, not only saves us, you know, we get to keep the money, but it also saves us a step of, you know, doing 10,000 refunds. You know, now, you know, every refund we don't have to make saves us uh, a step, you know, in our limited scope of our office as well right we're going to treat every donated ticket or donated registration or whatever as a as a cash contribution right so um you know if you've already paid and invested in uh you know in a ticket or an event registration or something of that nature um and you don't you know refund or, or even to, you know take only a partial refund um that will be a cash contribution you know you've already made it and we'll credit it and you'll get a thank you note and um you know it's a tax deductible contribution so that's going to be the next step. You know, it's a massive, the, the refund infrastructure that the drum corps community has to build right now is massive, right? I mean, it's, it's 40 plus different organizations. It's hundreds of different venues. Some organ, you know, it's 
so many different ticket vendors. You know, some events are on Ticketmaster, some events are on DCI Ticket, some events are ticketed by the stadium itself. Um, you know, so all of those different things uh, coupled together with um, you know who sells what tickets for what ticket block, and you know, it's a massive effort. And so we're trying to orchestrate that across all these different organizations. So it's going to take a while for the entire infrastructure to be built out um, in order to facilitate all of those things. And of course, one element of the infrastructure will be allowing people the opportunity to donate all or part of that ticket or registration back to us. You know, we host a weekend summer camp every summer called the Blue A Interactive Educational Experience. You know, like all those little tiny things that every drum corps is operating, you know, in addition to canceling the season for the Blue Cuts drum corps, we also had to cancel the season for Rhythm and Blue, our sound sport ensemble. So, you know, there's so many different types of refunds that have to be issued. And so that's kind of the next step. You know, people um, can be thinking about that now and then as the entire industry rolls out that that infrastructure, you know, people will be able to to do that. And there's already been a lot of people saying, yeah, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to tell all my friends to do it too. And that's really, you know, that's really cool. Is that sort of grassroots campaign that's starting to brew, you know, to save the drum corps tradition. It's pretty, pretty cool. And if you, you know, if you um, did buy a ticket or uh, some other thing like that from the Blue Coats, you can go to bluecoats.com slash refunds to get information about that. And we'll have uh, the actual process up and going, but that's what you can do if, you know, if you, whether you need a refund or you want to donate it um, or donate a part of it, the process will go through that, uh, that website. So uh, that's the best way to find out more information about that. I'd also like to say, you know, if you bought a ticket from another organization or from DCI, consider donating that back as well. Every organization in this activity is hurting. So, you know, whatever you planned on spending on DCI, if you have it in your heart to um, be able to donate all or part of that back to whomever you bought it from, that will go a long way to preserving uh, the activity that we all love so much. Yeah. And we'll have links to all three of those things, whether it's the shield or donations or refunds links for all three of those will be available in the description for this episode. So uh, as we start to wrap some of this stuff up, uh, for don- on the donation side of things, um, I've seen a lot of different things online um, since DCI made their announcement. And from you all's point of view, is it better to give on different platforms like Facebook or GoFundMe or Indiegogo or anything like that or directly to Bluecoats or directly to DCI? Obviously, any donation at all is amazing, and the Facebook campaigns especially can be really uh, helpful just because individuals can start them and they're free, and, you know, they kind of are exponential growth, a big hot topic these days, Um, but honestly, if you go to bluecoats.com slash give, that's the best way to give us money because we get to keep 100% of the proceeds rather than a portion of that going to any of the other platforms. Yeah, at, at the Bluecoats organization, we have a committee called the Alumni Council. That's sort of the, you know, some organizations have an alumni association, you know, we have this alumni council that's within the organization and they've done an amazing job at getting the alumni community to start um, these Facebook campaigns. And like Genevieve said, the benefit of that is the exponential growth. Um, It's also, you know, it puts those campaigns in the eyes of people that might not be drum corps supporters, you know, it's their friends from work and, you know, that kind of stuff. So that's really great. And if you see those campaigns, you know, it's a really easy way, you know, we all are spending a lot of time on Facebook right now because we're trapped in our houses. Um, So, you know, that's a really easy way to give. Um, And Facebook, you know, Facebook does a good job at letting the organization who you donated to know, you know, who made the contribution and all that stuff. So it's, it's a lot of work, you know, it's thousands of donations that we have to kind of go manually enter 
um, in order to make sure that we're thanking, you know, thanking the people for the contribution. So um, with that regard too, you know, if you go to bookers.com, we know who you are, we know how to thank you, you know, we know how to get a hold of you. It's a, it's a little bit more of an immediate thing. But like Genevieve said, giving in any format to any of these institutions is going to be vital, you know, to keep to keep the drum corps tradition alive. You know, also, if, if, if donating outright's not your thing, you know, anything you purchase from the Blue Coats or any organization is a huge help too. You know, we have all kinds, we have t-shirts for sale, all that stuff. We have instruments, Yamaha instruments and equipment for sale. You know, another great way to support us is just to buy something like you normally would this time of year. Do either of you have any final thoughts on the cancellation or where we go from here? I would just, you know, say that, you know, I think like many people out there, whether you're a student or a fan or a teacher or a drum corps administrator like Mike and myself, you know, there's a big sense of grief that comes with losing the drum corps season. You know, I mean, that's how it is. It's how it feels to me. It feels like a type of grief, you know, at something you've lost, lost the opportunity to, you know, participate in or listen to or, just be with your friends and colleagues for months at a time over the summer. And I think it's okay to feel like that, but, you know, maybe we can harness that. And we already are seeing that into something really positive, you know, through our fundraising efforts to keep the activity alive and through finding ways to still do things together that are um, music and drum corps related over the summer. So, you know, I hope that something good can come of this really, you know, difficult situation for everybody. And we are so grateful for the way that that's already started to manifest itself. Yeah, glad I'm, Jen, I'm glad you said grief. That's totally, you know, that's like the perfect descriptor, you know, for what I'm personally feeling. And I think that means, I think you're right. That means that everyone's feeling that, you know, it's, it's absolutely grief uh, coupled with, you know, us all losing the WGI season, you know, like I mentioned earlier on the call in the first half, you know, the, it tends to be that these things, particularly the DCI season for me at least, are pillars of our life, you know, and whereas a lot of people, the summertime is sort of the balance of their year, you know, for us, the summertime is the core of the year and then everything else is just the stuff that happens around it. So to lose that and to lose the, you know, the friendship connection that we get, it, it is it is grief. And I think that me that makes the the support that we've already seen that much more poignant and heartwarming you know people even in a time of grief are coming to each other and reaching out in support you know even if it's emotional support you know checking in like i mentioned so much on the other call you know all of the amazing conversation and collaboration that we've you know genevieve and i have experienced with our colleague executives at the other organizations and you know there's just been so much support um and you know the financial contributions that are already coming in, and the number of people who have already said, you know, hey, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna donate my ticket back, you know, and I'm gonna tell my friends too. Also, that's it's been really, really heartwarming, even though it's it is a time filled with such grief. I think, you know, the Blue Goats organization tends to be one of with a high degree of optimism. You know, we tend to be, we tend to kind of always be looking towards the horizon. So I think it's maybe particularly difficult for the for for me personally to kind of square that with you know the uh, amount of loss that we are, are experiencing or have experienced as a community. But at the same time, you know, as we as we you know take step by step out of this, there are so many opportunities for us to continue to kind of look at the horizon, 
you know, and everything we're going to do as a community, whether it's what the Blue Cuts organization does or whether it's what our community does in support of us or whether it's, you know, the entire drum corps community kind of, you know, coming together in support. It means that there's going to be a 2021 that's going to be beautiful and it's going to be fantastic. And I just I can already feel the excitement that people are going to have at that first, you know, sound of the horn line or at that first show when the when each core opens, you know, I mean, the amount of excitement that's going to happen when that finally comes back is going to be really, really magical. So it's something to look forward to, I suppose. Awesome. Well, thank you both for taking the time out of your incredibly busy schedules right now to discuss the impact of the coronavirus on DCI and Bluecoats. Well, that wraps it up for this episode. We will continue to bring you new content for future episodes, though. Despite the 2020 tour being canceled, we want to help keep the activity alive and keep our fans entertained. Feel free to email us with questions or suggestions at brasspodcast at bluecoats.com. Please check back every other Monday for a new episode, or you can just subscribe to the Bluecoats Brass Podcast through whichever platform you're currently listening on. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Bluecoats Brass Podcast. Please tell your friends about our podcast, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. If you have any topics you'd like to suggest or questions for us to answer in future episodes, please email us at brasspodcast at bluecoats.com. You can catch us on Instagram at bluecoats or at bluebrass, spelled B-L-O-O brass. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at the handle bluecoats. To learn more about the Bluecoats organization and all of its offerings, visit us on the web at bluecoats.com. Our podcast is made possible in part from the support of Hammond Design, the official mouthpiece designer and manufacturer of the Bluecoats Drum and Bugle Corps. As a performance partner of the Bluecoats, we trust HD with our sound, and we think you should too. Learn more at carlhammonddesign.com to get started. That's Carl with a K, HammondDesign.com.